Oh my gosh, I feel like it's been forever and it's only been two weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Matt Sin from Wrestle Life Radio. I'm here with my brother Micah and my cousin Kyle. And we are here for episode 75 to give you our week in review. We're going to tell you all about Friday Night Smackdown. We're going to tell you all about Monday Night Raw. We're going to tell you all about AEW Wednesday Night Dynamite. And boy, do we have a lot to cover. But before we do, we're going to give you this day in wrestling history. And guys, can you believe 14 years ago today, 14 years was Edge and Lita's live sex celebration. I'm back and better than ever. Got a neck for making things better. You, you know that song? I do. I've heard of it. <laughs> was that That's an, Eric Bischoff's theme. Was that an Eric Bischoff idea? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's his theme what? song in WWE. Why are you singing it? Because I'm back, baby. <laughs> we're, we're glad to have you back. Oh my. I thought oh you were insinuating God. that Edge and Lita angle was because of Bischoff. Yeah, me too. I'm like, what are we talking about? What is what is happening? Anyway. No, that's, no I'm making an entrance. Okay. okay. Well, good job. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. 14 years ago today, 2006. Yes. Back to Edge sex. Edge and Lita. <laughs> back to sex. Edge and Lita live sex celebration. And uh, so 14 years ago, Micah, you were nine? I don't know. <laughs> Too young, probably. Yeah. Uh, did you, I did watched you watch it. this with us? I did. Yeah, we, uh, <clears throat> well, uh, Mom and Dad, I'm sorry if you're listening. Whoops. My bad. Dad probably rewound it. <laughs> if we're being honest. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, so one of the most infamous uh, segments in all of Money Not Raw history was 14 years ago today. And uh, it was the last segment to get a five plus rating for w- for the WWE. Huh. According to this uh, information I'm reading on Cage Side Seats. And if I yeah. recall, uh, John Cena made the run in and uh, hit his new move, debuted the new move called the uh, You Can't Seaman. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. oh my gosh. I, we're just gonna move on. We're gonna move. We're gonna move right on, right on there. And uh, Kyle, Friday yes. Night SmackDown. Uh huh. It was. It, it was a show. Boring. Right? <laughs> I actually watched this, and I stopped in the middle because we were on vacation, and uh, I downloaded it, watched the first half, and I just stopped. And like four or five hours later, I turned it back on as I'm playing video games because I just I couldn't. I couldn't sit through it. I I was just going to say before you said it, I did the exact same thing. I actually, but I made it to the Braun Strowman match. So I got, but I mean, I was bored the whole way <laughs> up until that point. Uh, but I made it all the way to the Braun Strowman match. And they showed the recap of Braun Strowman the week before dancing with the New Day in the ring like a buffoon. And I yeah. just paused it and I said, I can't watch this anymore. Yeah. And I just left <laughs> and I came back yeah. and watched it later. So, yeah, uh, I did the exact same thing. So, uh, and I'll tell you what though, they've kind of had boring shows. I wish they'd do like a little bit more, but yeah, they are doing like consistent storylines each week. So it's a positive, but 
it's still kind of boring. So if they could yeah. figure out how to make it a little more exciting, I think it'd be a lot better show. Uh, duh. <laughs> so <laughs> this week's SmackDown basically re- uh, began with a recap of Daniel Bryan uh, beating the Miz last week, earning a shot against the Fiend at the Royal Rumble. Uh, we go backstage after the uh, – or no, they didn't do the show. They actually, before the show intro, went backstage. Brian was taping up his fists already, and the Miz walks up. He's got his pouty face on. He says he still wants revenge, but in the meantime, he's asked Daniel Bryan to beat the Fiend for him. Not just for him, but for everybody. So Miz is uh, giving Brian his blessing, I guess, even though he says, you know, the Fiends attacked my family and all this crap. Um, and also Miz is just a huge geek because he keeps talking about, you know, getting revenge on the fiend. But I mean, a month ago he was up against Bray Wyatt, not even the fiend, his lesser version. And he still got destroyed. So that's true. You you had your chance, dude. So, uh, after the show intro, it's boss time. Sasha Banks and Bailey come out. Terrific. Colin Graves talk about how crappy the women's division is. I mean, uh, they said it's wide open. <laughs> so uh, they advertised the triple threat match um, that's coming up. Basically, Sasha and Bailey cut a boring heel promo, like running down the fans and their New Year's resolutions. Then start to talk about Lacey Evans and her daughter and scaring her uh, last week. But Lacey interrupts with Dana by her side <laughs> and I laugh because. She cl- she claims she's going to take on Sasha and Bailey, even though the cards are stacked against her. Against her, meaning you know, which would make sense if it's like a handicap match situation. But Dana's standing right next to her. <laughs> it's like what a burial. Yeah, <laughs> like your partner's right there, and you're like, even though the cards are stacked against me. Um, but I mean, it is true because Dana's flat out lost to Bailey two weeks in a row. So then Alexa and Nikki come out. Um, I was actually surprised Alexa was on this show because when I started watching this, it was on Friday and I saw on her Instagram, she said she was sick and I was disappointed because she was not going to be on the show. And let's be honest, when Alexa Bliss is not on the show, it's just a little bit less of a show, but she was there. So it was great. (laughs) I don't know how she wrestled uh, because apparently she's pretty sick. Anyway, uh, Lacey and Sasha start the match, but Banks... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Before the match starts, let's talk about... I want to talk about Alexis' promo. Because she basically said... She goes, oh, it seems like you guys have a lot of bad blood. Nikki, I don't even know why we're in this match. And then I'm like, wait a second. Isn't this like for, you know, a, a potential tag team title match? And then she goes, oh yeah, that's right. We want to win so we can get tag, uh, tag team titles back. And I'm like, what? What are we talking about here? Well, and it's not even like a, it's mainly, I really don't know why they were in this match either. And it was abundantly clear by the end of the match because it was really just for, you know, the Lacey versus Bailey and Sasha angle. Right. Um, and Bliss Cross Applesauce really didn't fit into the equation at all. So, no, not at all. It was yeah. super weird. So, uh, yeah, basically what happens is Lacey and Sasha start the match. Banks tags out and wants no part of it. Uh, I guess the only reason Bliss Cross Applesauce were in this match was to keep Lacey away from like Sasha and Bailey for as much as possible, even though they still kind of mix it up. But uh, essentially, Lacey and Dana went up against Bliss and Cross in the early part of the match. 
until Bailey pulled out Dana and the Heels teamed up on Bliss to get the heat. She kind of fought back, sent everybody outside, and then Nikki Cross hit a body splash on everybody before the commercial break. And then we came back, and Sasha's in control. Um, she's she's like immediately in control, and she rolls up Cross, and Dana gets in the ring, does a cartwheel, and then kicks her. <laughs> I was like, that's one way to break up a pin. Yeah, a little unnecessary. Uh, then all hell breaks loose. Essentially, everybody gets in, starts hitting moves. Um, Lacey, she looked pretty good. Um, she, she got a hot tag from Dana, came in and looked pretty good until then she randomly stopped and pulled out the rag and did the sweat thing, which was like part of her heel gimmick. So I was like, I don't know why you're doing that. Um, she went for a big moonsault, but she whiffed on it. Bailey hit the Bailey belly, but everybody broke it up. Um, Bailey and Sasha cleared the ring, tried to finish off Lacey, but she hit the women's right. Then Dana got the tag. She got up the top rope and proceeded to totally squish Sasha Banks with her butt. That is what <laughs> happened. 100%. Poor Dana. Like she hit a senton and her entire weight of her backside crushed poor Sasha's midsection. Uh, she laid there dead on the mat. They probably had to peel her off with a spatula afterwards. Um, so she- the first time Dana gets a win here and she kills Sasha basically. Was she maybe coached by Rikishi? No. That's a good thought, though. <laughs> Rikishi, yeah. He he hit better uh, moves. Than the, like, I don't know how long she's been. She has a finishing move. I don't know how long the Sinton's been her move, but she needs to uh, get rid of it. But, um, yeah, I am I feel bad for Sasha, basically. So, yeah, like I said, Bliss Cross, Applesauce just got thrown out of the ring a bunch. Um, and it was... Basically, they were involved not a bit. And then it makes no sense either because, I mean, there's not like a tag title match on the line. It's just to further the storyline. So, yeah, kind of pointless. Yeah, but, made no sense. But all in all, it was a decent match. So, Especially if Alexa was sick. Like, if that's true, why would you put her You couldn't in- tell. Like, that's I was surprised, yeah. A, she was in there, and B, that she performed as well as she did. Like, they all did pretty well. So... Good match, but very pointless. Um, then after the match, we got a recap of what Dolph Ziggler did last week. Essentially, Otis' mother uh, cooked a cake for Mandy. He gave it to her. And uh, then Dolph came in, squashed the cake with his foot, trying to hit on Mandy. And so Otis was, he was uh, you know, very disappointed because he came and found the cake squashed on the ground. So we got a recap of that. Mandy comes back, finds Otis lifting a keg. Asks, um, Mandy asks him if his mother made anything for her this week. And Otis says, hey, Mandy, you should ask Dolph Ziggler. And Mandy says, uh, oh, so you saw that? And Otis says, no, but my mama did. <laughs> and I and love she- Otis, but I was like, oh, my God, what is happening? <laughs> it was great. And then Tucker walks up. He's got his... He's got his boo-boo face on. He's giving Mandy the stink eye. <laughs> he looks at Otis and slaps him. He says, come on, I'm going to focus up for the match. And they both leave. And Mandy is distraught. I love what they're doing with these with these angles. Like, Otis is great. And, I mean, Mandy isn't the best, but she's been pretty good in this role. So, I like what they're doing. So I'm, I'll be honest. I think Otis can do better. And, and I want better <laughs> for Otis. It was weird though. Like his delivery wasn't very good. It's like, why don't you ask Dolph 
Ziggler. Like, all right. Like, I don't know if he's... But it's perfect for Otis. Like, he's... He is very awkward with it. Yeah. But, I mean, he's... Just when Mandy walks up and he just, like, pauses and is just staring into space. And he's just like, hey, Mandy. Like, I don't know. It it works perfectly for me, so... Uh, But, yeah. So, basically, Otis leaves and uh, Mandy is disappointed. So, we'll see what happens. Um... Basically, after this, Miz runs into the New Day backstage. He's in a crabby mood still, so Kofi actually tries to cheer him up and says, Hey, man, you had a good decade. Uh, you know, basically goes over all his accolades of, you know, main event in WrestleMania, all his title wins. Miz says, He's just not having it. He says, This is, a, this is not about titles. This is about the Fiend. Talking about he, he, you know, scared my child. He broke into my house. And so Miz gets all mad. He throws the pancake, uh, platter that Biggie had made with the 2020 and pancakes written on it ruins all their pancakes. And so this is too much for Kofi. He gets in his face and then they challenge each other for a match later in the evening. After that, Elias comes out, plays a song for the crowd. It was cringy at points, but Hey, the crowd was into it, uh, which made it a little bit better. And he just sang a song. So that was it. After that, the revival was shown earlier today, complaining about being put in gimmick matches. He also, uh, Elias sang about revival in his song. So they kind of dropped their tired of, you know, people making fun of him and like being in Elias songs and all this stuff. Uh, Shorty, Shorty G then walks into the scenario, uh, tells them to embrace who they are. Then they end up making fun of Shorty G. He basically allows it to happen like a geek. And then he debuts his new catchphrase, rise above size. Oh, my God. This is so stupid. Uh, But then Shorty G challenges them to or dash to a match later and he accepts it. And they come back and you would assume that they would be like, you know, this will happen later tonight. But no, they just come back to present time and Shorty G is making his entrance. I'm like, oh, we're doing this now. Okay. Shorty G comes out uh, and then we go to commercial. We come back. Revival's already in the ring. Dawson joins the commentary team. And uh, Michael Cole claims the Revival keep getting put in these gimmick matches because they can't win regular matches. So maybe if they win more, they wouldn't get put in gimmick matches. So stupid. <laughs> like, is that how things work around there? I guess. <laughs> sure. Uh, it was a pretty decent match, though. I mean, it was short. No pun intended. Shorty G and Tash Wilder have a pretty wow. uh, decent back and forth to start. Uh, Shorty G gets the uh, upper hand, uh, eventually gets the ankle lock on Dash. He taps out immediately. Um, basically, the Revival jump him after he wins the match. And who makes his return to save Shorty G but Sheamus? Beaker himself coming out with his exact same look that he debuted with at the beginning of the decade probably. So he's uh, gone back in time. Uh, he clears the ring, but then Shorty G gets up and he bro kicks the hell out of this guy, knocks him on his neck. Yeah, he basically looked exactly the same. It happened. Nothing really exciting. So Sheamus is back, though. So that's good. Uh, then we have Miz and Kofi next. So uh, basically, Kofi in this match starts in control and he kind of like boasts, you know, every time he does something to Miz. And it you know pisses Miz off. Then Miz fakes out like he's gonna give us test of strength and just gives Kofi a boot to the gut and gains the advantage. He hits some yes kicks 
but the crowd's chanting no the entire time, which is hilarious. Uh, both of them attempt their finishers. They keep countering each other until Kofi is able to roll up and cradle the Miz. He gets the pinfall. The Miz is all pissy afterwards and attacks Kofi as he's celebrating in frustration. Uh, so this is seemingly a heel turn for the Miz. Um, so he was a babyface who was trying to avenge his daughter. He got beat like a geek, like he has been for months. And so now he's going back to being a heel. Okay. I mean, Miz is better as a heel, I guess, but he really he, never really got a shot as a babyface either. No, he never did because he needed to avenge his father against Shane McMahon. He lost that. Then he needed to, to avenge his family against the Fiend. And he lost that. I mean, I said when Shane McMahon beat him in that match that I lost all faith in face Miz. He will never have a chance to be anything and no one will take him seriously. And I was right. Yeah, I thought he could possibly revive himself because I thought they were – this is silly me thinking. I thought they might be strategic and they put him up against Bray Wyatt at the previous pay-per-view. And I thought, hey, you know what would be cool in the storyline? What if Miz did beat him and avenged his daughter? And it became a story that Bray Wyatt is beatable. Bray Wyatt is human, but when he puts on the mask, he becomes the fiend. He's unstoppable. Like that could be pretty interesting. Then it could be like a, Hey, you know, maybe we need to get the mask away from him. And that's how you get the title. from. But no, WWE doesn't think that way. They just kill this guy and embarrass him. And now he's pissed and he's a heel. So (laughs) Ms. Hill's back. Kathy Kelly's backstage with Daniel Bryan and Reigns. Daniel Bryan doesn't give a crap about the Miz, which is great. Then they kind of talk and tease a WrestleMania match because Daniel Bryan promises at the Royal Rumble he's going to beat the Fiend, become the champion. And Reigns says, oh, well, you're going to win the title at Royal Rumble? Well, I'm going to win the Royal Rumble. So I guess we're going to have a WrestleMania match. So (laughs) it wasn't a great promo, but they kind of teased the match and the crowd was kind of into it. So I, I would like to see it, but yeah. Don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I think Fiend's going to carry the title to Mania, and we'll see what happens. Basically, Rain says um, the only ones who aren't ready for the tonight are Corbin and Ziggler. And so Daniel Bryan's, you know, smiles at him. They're ready for their match tonight. After this, uh, Heavy Machinery comes out, and then Cole asks how Otis is going to be able to focus on the match with Mandy on his mind, and we'll go to commercial break. We'll come back from the break, and they go back to Kathy who is backstage trying to get a word from the Miz. And there's also another return and it's John Morrison. And uh, just in the theme of boring things to happen on the show, he just like answers the door. He says, Miz isn't going to talk. He's not in the mood. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Like, what a terrible way to bring him back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, next week he's going to be on Miz TV, which okay. Um, but yeah, very boring return. For somebody who probably could have got a big pop and could be a pretty prominent superstar on SmackDown. Uh, but I guess he's going to be buddy-buddy with The Miz. So we'll see. After this, Otis is back in the ring. And Drew Gulak comes out. Says he has this PowerPoint presentation on why Mandy would never date Otis. But obviously, Otis interrupts him. Throws him with the top rope. Proceeds to squash Gulak. Basically a quick squash match. I mean, Gulak got a little bit of offense in, but not a whole lot. Once he really got his offense in, he started playing punches on Otis. Otis, you know, made his comeback, hit the Caterpillar, hit the Vader bomb, 
another squishing of an opponent tonight, but instead of uh, Dana Brooks' butt, it was Otis's big gut squishing this man. We go to commercial break, and then after the break, we get a recap of Braun Strowman dancing like a buffoon with New Day. And like I said, this is when I turned the show off originally because I was like, I can't take it. So a couple days later, I resume, and we have Braun Strowman versus Cesaro. Uh, It was decent. Uh, It wasn't a complete squash match, but Strowman. Oh, also of note, Cesaro has given up on the Capris. So he's back in his regular trunks. Yeah, that's really great. The Capris just looked dumb. (laughs) It was was definitely an innovative fashion choice, but um, yeah, he's back in his regular trunks. Basically, Strowman was just the powerhouse early on in the match. Even though Cesaro, he threw some really awesome punches trying to defend himself. Uh, Strowman basically was just throwing him around. Uh, we go to commercial break, but right before Zayn and Nakamura were trying to interfere, but Strowman was like fighting them off. So he's standing in the ring as we go to break, like, you know, triumphant, you know, throwing his opponent out. And he's like standing his ground against, you know, the guys trying to interfere. We come back from the break. And Cesaro's just in control. He apparently at some point in the commercial break did something uh, and got the control over this monster. But no one bothers to tell us what happened. They don't show us what happened. I rewound it to make sure I didn't miss anything. Right. I don't think I did. So he's just in control. Basically, Dane and Nakamura kept trying to help him keep control. And he got Strowman in a sleeper hole, but Strowman was able to power out. Ran wild on uh, Cesaro, uh, Nak- Nakamura and Zayn kept trying to interfere. And then Braun got out of the ring and ran a train on everybody. Uh, Zayn, he got uh, Cesaro back in the ring, but Zayn slid in, tried to distract him. And then Strowman rammed himself into the post again, which I don't know why he keeps doing that. <laughs> it's like every week in every match he does. It's the he only has- way people can stop him. Come on. He's a monster. Yeah, like tell... Or, or just stop being dumb and quit running into the post every match. Like, if this... I mean, I know Mike is going to rip AEW a new one this week. Spoiler alert, but... Spoiler alert! No! <laughs> up until this point, AEW's been pretty good about, like, if something's not working, they'll, like, fix it or at least address it. So I'm just waiting for the day for Strowman to, like, act like he's going to run to it and stop himself. But this is WWE, so that'll probably never happen. He also ran himself into the post. Cesaro went for his move, the neutralizer, and then Strowman immediately reversed it and hit him with a power slam and beat him. I don't even know why he ran in the post. But immediately after the pin, Nakamura hits him with a Kinshasa. Uh, The heels immediately bail, which is pretty smart. And Strowman gets up, wants to kill them, but they've bailed. So uh, he's just, they're just glaring at each other. So it, it was a decent match, but again, nothing notable. Then we had the main event. We have a, Actually, a quick, re- quick recap of last week's match um, that showed Reigns kind of thwarting King Corbin and Dolph Ziggler. And as Michael Cole said, screwed Corbin out of you know a universal title opportunity by beating Daniel Bryan, even though they were cheating to beat him. Reigns and Bryan come out, then Ziggler comes out, and Corbin comes out with his servants carrying him to the ring. Essentially, uh, Reigns controlled Corbin during the early part of this match. Then he went to the outside and Dolph Ziggler distracted him and he fell for it like a geek. He went inside the ring and Corbin got the advantage. Reigns is able to make the tag to Dan O'Brien, but before Dan O'Brien does anything, the lights begin to flicker and Bray Wyatt's laugh is heard around the arena, which gives him pause and kind of freaks everybody out. 
and then we go to commercial break. We come back from the break, and then Rangers is in the ring killing King Corbin again. <laughs> so another break where we come back, and we have no idea what happened in the commercial break. Uh, I know I rag on AEW's picture-in-picture, picture, but we might have been able to use that here because – and in the last match because, like I said, they they went to a break and they came back. We don't know what happened. But essentially, uh, the heels get control when Corbin hits the deep six on Reigns for a near fall. But then <laughs> Ziggler gets in the ring, and his offense that he uses against Roman Reigns is to just yell at him. He just keeps yelling at him, come on, what do you got? <laughs> Reigns is like, I'll show you. He stands up and punches him in the face. Uh, and despite Dolph Ziggler's stupidity, Corbin gets in the ring and is able to uh, maintain control. So uh, Dolph Ziggler catching a break here. Reigns finally gets able to fight back. He gets the hot tag to Daniel Bryan. He runs wild on Dolph Ziggler, kicking the piss out of him. He gets the, the bell the lock on him, but Corbin breaks it up. Reigns gets in the ring, spears Corbin, but then he eats a super kick from Dolph Ziggler, and then Brian hits the running knee on Dolph Ziggler. But before he can make the pin, the lights go out and the fiend appears. The red light is back. Uh, had go away heat for me. But uh, Daniel Bryan, unlike the Miz, immediately takes the fight to him. He dives out of the ring onto the fiend, tries to get you know some offense in on him, starts trying to kick him, but he grabs the mandible claw. Puts Daniel Bryan out of commission, and uh, basically the lights go out and the fiend disappears. So Bryan's taken out of the match. Reigns goes out to check on him, and the heels jump him. Uh, I don't think there's there was like a bell or anything that ended this match. They just because basically what happened when the heels got uh, Roman Reigns in the ring, they grabbed the handcuffs, grabbed the dog food. We're gonna embarrass him again, but then the Usos music hits, and we have another return on the show. But at least here, it was something of note. They actually come out and they do take their sweet time on the ramp. I guess they were trying to show off their new haircuts to the crowd because they just like took their time walking down the ramp. Ziggler actually runs up to the ramp to greet them. and they uh, Because they're just good friends. He missed them. Yeah. They, uh, they greeted him with their feet to his face. Gave him a super kick. They slid in the ring, super kicked uh, Corbin, sent him packing, did a double dive on the heels, and then got in the ring, celebrated with Roman, saving him from the dog food attack again. And we end the show. Uh, they also plugged um, Lacey Evans versus Sasha Banks next week. But that was the end of SmackDown. Like I said, they carried their stories out pretty well, but it was still kind of boring because just nothing really happened. They just went through the motions. Uh, I was watching this with my girlfriend through some parts, especially the last part of when I went back and watched it, she was sitting there and she was frustrated by the end. So like the last 30 minutes of the show we watched, she was like, do they always have to do these like run-ins or these people showing up? And I was like, yes, apparently they do. They do it all the time. So always. even my girlfriend who has watched like 30 minutes of this two hour show is tired of the run-ins. So yeah, boring show. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. Uh, I'll give it a C because okay. it was just that. I'm so sick of main events not having a legitimate finish. On to Monday Night Raw because that's uh, that's also what happened here. Spoiler alert. So 
We open Raw with a recap of what happened at the wedding last week. I am so glad we did not have to review this because, <laughs> oh my gosh, I do not know what I would have done if I would have had to sat, sit there for 30 minutes and watch this stupid wedding. So thank the good Lord that they chose to show the wedding on the week that I was on vacation and I did not watch Monday Night Raw. First time I haven't watched Raw since the beginning of 2019, I think. It's literally, I think I've watched every single one of them for a year. You picked the right one to miss. I did. <laughs> I did. It's really great. So they opened up showing the recap. We go to the ring, and here comes Brock Lesnar. And Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman come out, and Brock Lesnar's getting paid millions of dollars not to say a darn thing. But we've talked about that before. We've harped on that before. Uh, Heyman swears at the crowd, which was surprising, but hey, whatever. I guess we're moving... Yeah, moving closer to <laughs> PG-13, I suppose. Um, and so Paul Heyman cuts a terrific promo and says, you know, I was sitting here talking to Brock, and we're like, man, who are you going to defend your title against at Royal Rumble? Who is worthy to wrestle the beast? And I say, no one. No one is worthy. And I'm like, okay, so they're not going to have a match. Maybe this is the point where someone comes out. And they're going to interrupt Brock Lesnar and say, actually, I'm worthy. But no, none of that happens. Paul Heyman says Brock Lesnar is going to make history. And he's going to enter the Royal Rumble as the WWE champion. And then he says, but we're not going to stop there as Brock Lesnar is going to enter at number one. And so I'm sitting here and I'm thinking and I'm like, wait a second. Why is this good for Brock Lesnar? Why would Paul Heyman say, you know what you should do? You should enter the Royal Rumble. You know what would be even better? Why don't you do it at number one? It just doesn't make sense from a kayfabe standpoint, but whatever. Um, And he says, so it doesn't matter who gets in the ring. Uh, He will eliminate them one by one. When Seth Rollins comes in, we'll have Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins. When Roman Reigns comes in, we'll have Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. And you will see... Perhaps some matches that you've never seen before. I feel like he's just making up for all the matches he hasn't actually fought in. Yeah, what's probably going to happen is the first, like numbers two, three, and four will probably be like nobodies. And then number five will be, and he'll just toss them all out immediately. And number five will be somebody, and that's when the actual Royal Rumble will start. Yeah, I I mean, just to briefly talk on it, because this is, I mean... Obviously, we reached out to Chris, our good buddy, because he hates Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Russell Life Hill. Yeah, so we, uh, you know, we wanted to get his opinion on it, but I, I kind of told him I was like, I really can only see this going like two ways. I mean, they could do whatever they want. Obviously, they they could do something totally crazy, and it's totally possible. But I could just see either a Brock Lesnar just comes in and eliminates like half the Royal Rumble, and then somewhere in the middle, somebody comes out and. I just can't see it happening at the beginning, but I can see him going in the middle. And then finally somebody comes in and they kind of, maybe Roman reigns, they like fight. And then he takes Brock out of commission and uh, puts him to the announce table or something. Uh, and then Brock comes back later in the match and then they end the match. I don't think they're going to say he's going to be number one and he's going to make history and all this and then not have him finish, finish the match. So either that happens or he comes in just kills half the Royal Rumble and kills the entire match. And then he's in there with the last person. 
Now, I don't think he'll win, but somebody's got to eliminate him so he can have a you know opponent for WrestleMania. And I'm imagining he's going to be the last in the ring and the person going to eliminate him, and that's going to set the match. Uh, so for me, I, I mean, we'll wait and see what happens, but from the sound of that, it sounds like they're just going to completely ruin the Royal Rumble with Brock Lesnar. I hope it's not ruined. The Royal Rumble is my favorite match of the year. I actually look more forward to the Royal Rumble than I do WrestleMania. Yeah. So I, I hope that it's still good. So we'll see. Um, they leave the ring. They go up to the announcer's table, and Paul, Brock Lesnar just walks by, and Paul Heyman puts his arm around Jerry Lawler and says, Say something nice. And Jerry Lawler's like, I am saying something nice. And they talk a little bit. Then we see Sarah backstage with Rey Mysterio. He cuts a promo in Spanish. He thanks his son Dominic and for for you know telling him to stay and continue to compete, and uh, he goes to the ring to wrestle Andrade. And uh, if you've ever seen a Rey Mysterio versus Andrade match, you know what to expect. It was really good. To uh, cut just a couple highlights, and it was it, it was weird. Like there was one spot where Rey Mysterio pinned Andrade, but Zelina picked his foot up and put it on the rope. And uh, re- the ref counted to three, and then he reversed it, which never, ever happens. And WWE is so inconsistent with this crap. And so they reverse it. They restart the match. Rey Mysterio looks like an absolute doofus because the ref's like, you're going to restart the match. And Ray's like, wait, what do you mean? And he has to explain it to him for like two minutes. And then He's so- only been wrestling like half, a, like a majority of his life. I know. Yeah. <laughs> It made no sense. And I love Rey Mysterio. And I know at one point that Rey Mysterio was your favorite wrestler, Micah, when you were younger. And I just. Probably still my favorite WWE wrestler of all time. Just so dumb. Just so dumb. And uh, so they they go back, they start the match again. And Rey Mysterio gets up on. They're outside of the ring. And he's on Andrade's shoulders, like in a powerbomb type position. And they back up to Zelina Vega. And Andrade throws Rey. On Zelina Vega and Rey Mysterio, being the nice guy he is, he's so worried about Zelina Vega. He's like, Oh, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I just knocked out Zelina Vega. You didn't do anything, Rey. You did nothing. Andrade knocked you into Zelina Vega. Also, she's a terrible person. She always interferes and attacks people. So, like, WWE's got this thing where, like, Oh, I accidentally hit a woman. All right. It's better than 20 years ago, or I guess, what, 15 years ago now, when they were putting women through tables. Better than that, but it's way too far in the other way, because Rey Mysterio looks like a dork. He looks like such a dork, and he's gotten over so well recently, and that fire has been lit under him. And Paul Heyman, or whoever's behind this storyline, making Rey Mysterio look like a freaking killer, even though he's four foot two. I mean, it's, he's been so great, and this match just made him look so stupid. And it really, really, I didn't realize how much it bothered me until I started talking about it. Either way, the ending was awful because they're in the ring, they're having the match, and then Rey Mysterio goes, I better go outside and check on Zelina Vega again. So he does that, and then gets back in the ring, and as he's getting in the ring, Andrade's like, oh, I guess I better just go ahead and do my finisher then. So he does the finisher and pins Rey one two, three. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why in the world is this, fit? And, and this amazing, just incredible, awesome match is just 
just so convoluted and stupid and overbooked. And my gosh, I'm glad AEW doesn't do stuff like this. Wait. Oh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there, guys. Don't you worry. Either way, the match was great. Dumb ending. Dumb things in the middle. Just stop. These guys have wrestled so many times, and it's always been good. Let them wrestle. It was great. After the match, Andrade rips off Rey Mysterio's mask and gives it to Zelina Vega. And the uh, announcers put it over as he's kind of apologizing to her because he cared more about the title than he does about her. But of course he does. And she should too, because that's the whole point of them being out there. It's like these announcers have never watched wrestling before. (sighs) Okay, moving on. We talk about how Samoa Joe makes a save for Kevin Owens last week. Um, Charlie's backstage and she's talking to Joe and Owens and they're like, Oh, we have, you know, we have a surprise partner for the match against Seth Rollins and AOP. And Kevin Owens is like, I don't, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't know who this is. And Samoa Joe's like, don't worry about it, bro. I got you. And he kind of like pats him on the chest and walks away. And these two guys together, like, I hope they stay together for a while because they're so good. And it makes me wonder who Kevin Owens isn't good with. But when he's with someone else, like that stuff with Chris Jericho was just brilliant, right? So when Kevin Owens is with someone that can really, you know, do well on the mic, it, it is it's so entertaining. And Samoa Joe is also so good. So I love this. Um, we come back from we go to the break. We come back. Charlie talks to Seth Rollins and Authors of Pain and says, you know, what do you think of this challenge and this surprise mystery partner? And Rollins says, hey, hey, I'm a, I'm the Messiah of Monday nights, which is kind of funny because he does look like a wrestling Jesus. And he says, I'm the Messiah of Monday nights. And I have been, you know, living up to challenges every single day for my entire life, Charlie. So no, I'm not worried. We'll take on this challenge. We go to triple threat tag team match, the street profits versus the OC versus the Viking Raiders. Uh, this match was good. Good. I guess. Um, it was just, the Viking Raiders basically beat the Street Profits immediately in, in the very beginning of the match. And uh, I just, I don't know. It just makes the Street Profits look dumb. It doesn't matter. Carl Anderson takes the pin because, of course, he does. Viking Raiders win. Move on. Charlie's talking to Samojo backstage, and she says, I want to know who the mystery man is. We all want to know who the mystery man is. And uh, Samojo's like, you don't understand. You're just, you're going to have to wait. And then Kevin Owens comes up. He's like, listen, man, I'm not exactly the best person. And I've done a lot of people on this roster wrong. I I really need to know who it is. And Joe's like, all right, come with me. So Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens walk away. And Charlie, like, motions for the camera like she's being all sneaky. She's like, come on, let's, let's follow them. And so Samoa Joe goes up to a door, knocks on it, opens the door for Kevin Owens and stops Charlie. Kevin Owens looks inside and then closes the door. Samoa Joe says, we good? Kevin Owens says, yeah, we're good. And with this big smirk on his face, walks away. Just imagine the person who uh, we don't know yet, but just whoever it is, think of them just sitting in a room, probably getting ready for their match. Yeah. <laughs> by themselves. And the door just opens and like Samoa Joe is like standing there and then Kevin Owens just peers in and looks at him. <laughs> and then they close the door. <laughs> Like I don't think I don't think these WWE writers think of stuff like this. No, <laughs> just like yeah, he just like shows him who this person is, like he's an object or something. Yep. Like, uh, yeah, this ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, makes no sense, but whatever. 
we go to the ring. Becky Lynch comes out. She cuts a, a promo about how, you know, Asuka has been kind of the monkey on her back and she isn't able to defeat her. Asuka comes out. She runs her mouth in Japanese. She gets in the ring. She gets in Becky Lynch's face and Becky just like clobbers her with kind of a weak looking punch, but whatever. Uh, clobbers her. Asuka goes down. Becky leaves the ring and then Asuka is stopped by the invisible wall and she cannot chase Becky. As I Becky walks away. Yeah. As I Becky walks away. And, it, and go ahead. So Becky basically, so her whole thing was, I have to beat Oscar. All you know, the the powers that be are keeping me from her because I lost to her. They don't want me to lose the title. But you know what? I want to avenge my loss. She's got a fire lit under her. And this week this week she just comes out and she's like, I don't know if I believe in myself. Yeah, exactly. It what? Was <laughs> it was really bad. And then she Oscar comes out and she She's like acting all, you know, like, I don't know if I can take her. And then she just decks her in the face and walks away. Like, it's, uh, yeah, she's basically just like a heel. Like, this is not a likable move. No. You know, for me. So I did not like this at all. Uh, So, yeah, it was dumb. Uh, We go to commercial break and come back. And Eric Rowan is backstage with his cage. Oh, God. And Mojo Raleigh comes up to him. And says, hey, Eric. And I, like he says it just like this. Like You tell me if I'm making this up. He says, hey, Eric, can I see what's in your cage? I'd like to know. Please. And apparently that's all you have to I'll do. Show you, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Yeah. Like apparently all he has to do to get to see what's in Eric Rowan's cage is ask nicely. Too bad these 17 jobbers that's been going on just hasn't, hasn't thought of that. Yeah, not only has he put a blanket over it so nobody could see it, but he's killed anyone who's tried to peer at it. And now he's just like, yeah, okay, I'll show somebody. Like, what? And so Mojo looks inside and freaks the frack out and just backs up. And he's like, you know, sla- and he backs up into the wall. He's like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you, man? What's wrong with you? And then runs away. I'm making a prediction. I think what is in the cage was Mojo Raleigh's face paint. <laughs> possible it's possible uh so rowan kind of smirks and we he starts walking um andrade and zelina vega are in the back getting interviewed and Rey mysterio maskless but you only get to see the back of his head comes in and just absolutely destroys andrade i mean in a fit of rage he is murdering this guy and if he had a weapon in his hand it's possible andrade would be dead right now Rey Mysterio grabs his mask, puts it back on as Zelina freaks out and she goes, Ray, stop, stop. What are you doing? Stop attacking him. Get off him. But she doesn't say it in like an angry way. She says it like she's actually fearing for Andrade, which was a really nice touch. Yeah. And uh, Ray grabs the title and runs off, like walks off as officials are coming. Like Rey Mysterio looks like a monster. Rey Mysterio, who is legitimately, I believe, five foot three, if I remember right, just looks like someone that no one will want to mess with. And I'm, I'm glad they gave him his heat back after whatever in the world was happening in that weird match. He's 5'6". Yeah, Don't um, take away three inches. I, I totally five, agree. Excuse me. Yeah. So we go to Eric Rowan, who comes out, and he's wrestling another jobber. And I think, uh, without exaggerating, I think this is the fifth or sixth week in a row. It's ridiculous. Yep. And Eric Rowan, who has not wanted to show anyone what's in his cage, showed Mojo Raleigh, and then drags this poor kid 
and lets him look and puts his face up against the cage. The kid screams and then turns around and there's like fake blood all over his face coming out of his eyes. And he, he runs screams up. all the way up the ramp. Just he, he is the only voice you could hear in this massive arena because the crowd is just dead. Yeah. They do not care. This is so stupid. They're just standing there watching as this moron's like, ah, 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 like just screaming like a little child running up the ramp. I don't know what the payoff is going to be for this, but it's, it, it can't be good. It's impossible. So Seth Rollins and AOP, they're backstage getting ready. We come back from commercial and AJ Styles comes out. And I'm like, oh, who's he going to destroy? And it's Akira Tozawa, which is a bummer because Akira Tozawa is an incredibly talented wrestler. But AJ Styles could have beat him in about 90 seconds because he hit him with a phenomenal forearm. He pins him, but he picks him up. He does not let him get to a three count. And then he does the the middle rope DDT like Randy Orton. He RKO's Akira Tozawa. And then he gets up, he pins him one, two, three, gets up on the corner, raises his arms like Randy Orton, mocking Randy Orton. This was fine. I actually kind of like this, but I hated that it was Akira Tozawa because I like him a lot. Well, he's been good at jobbing lately, so that's yeah. his new role. <laughs> I guess just where they where they see him. Yeah. So we come back from the break and we see oh, a lot. what did you uh what happened in between the break? With the uh the officiant? Oh yeah. So we're about to go to a commercial and the the pastor, the vicar, the the priest, whatever you want to call him, the guy that was gonna be marrying Rusev and Lana last week like starts to slide in the ring and the security guards are, they, they grab him and uh, like stop him, stop him from getting into the ring. And so I'm sitting here going, well, I guess that was a fan, but it wasn't a fan because not only could you tell that it was the same guy cause he was wearing the same suit. But the issue is no one like told the security guards that this guy was part of the show. This poor guy gets tackled, and I don't I don't get it. Well, supposedly, now this is the story. So I saw this, and I just thought it was hilarious because I thought it was a Gronk 2.0, like when Gronk tried to interfere at WrestleMania or whatever, and uh, he got stopped by security because the lady didn't know he was part of the show. And so, but it was weird though because the camera usually, if somebody's in the ring, they immediately cut away. But they made it a point to get this guy sliding in the ring, security getting on top of him, and then they kind of panned away slowly and then went to commercial and then came back and he was just there, you know, like nothing happened. And then uh, somebody, uh, I think it was on Russell Botch on uh, Instagram, they posted the clip and had like the aftermath, like what happened during the commercial. Yeah. And showed them kind of like, but there's like real security in the crowd and they're just like standing there with their backs to the camera. So I was like, okay, it was a little bit confusing because I was like, well, none of the other security people are helping. Yeah, it made it's very weird. So the story apparently, and I don't know if it's true, but it's the word that's going around. Apparently, this was a worked shoot, and Vince just thought it would be hilarious if the pastor would try to get in the ring because he entered from the crowd too, which is also weird, and security would just stop him. So this was planned. Supposedly. What? what? It didn't make any sense. Yeah, no, and it doesn't. And it had nothing to do with anything. But uh, supposedly, Vince planned this and thought it would be funny 
and just did it. Oh so, my gosh. <laughs> that's what happened. I, I mean, the only thing people can think is like, they thought maybe people would see the fan enter the ring and like want to stick to the commercial break to see what happened or something, but it meant nothing and nothing happened. And it was, yeah, it was just nothing, but it was just weird and it was planned apparently. So WWE in uh, 2020. Great. And here we are. (laughs) So we're moving on. Come back from the break. Lana and Bobby Lashley come to the ring and they're like booking it. And basically what they said, Lana like cuts his promo and she says, all of you didn't want to see me marry my Bobby. And so we're going to get married right now. They get married really quickly. Like they, like, I don't even know if this is a legal marriage because the pastor just said, I now pronounce you man and wife. You can kiss the bride. They give a really weird, like, like a peck, which is fine with me. But after all this like weird hot makeout stuff that they've been doing, hot and like parentheses, I, I just it was it came off as a little strange. And Jerry Lawler even commented on it because of course he did. He's Jerry Lawler. <laughs> and so then it shows Rusev, who is obviously in front of a green screen with this like fake palm tree behind him. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm so glad you guys are getting married now. Yay. Uh, since you guys decided not to take your honeymoon, I decided to go on vacation myself. And I'm like, wait a second. What is he like? I, I figured what was happening is he's going to be like, I'm just joking. And then he was going to come out and destroy Bobby Lashley. Right. That's not what happened. No. So he cuts his promo about being on vacation with a screen screen behind him. So Lana starts freaking out going, I hate you, Rusev. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And Lashley says, shut up. He's got a really big pop. I know. It was so good. We all thought it for many weeks. uh Uh-huh. And so Lashley says if Rusev has any balls left, he'll show up next week so he can rip them off and shove them down his throat. Yes. That's what he said. PGTV. Yeah. One hell of a finisher. Yeah. And so Rusev says, like, he's been joking and happy the whole time, and he switched just immediately. He flipped a switch and says, that's not going to happen, Bobby. Next week, I'm going to do unspeakable things to you. I'm going to brutalize your body. I'm going to mutilate it, and if there's anything left, it's all Lana's. And I'm like, holy crap. And let me tell you, I hate all of this. I hate it all. But and just when go ahead. Rusev is awesome. Yes. He's so good. And if you guys, for our longtime listeners, you know what a couple months back, I'm like, I just don't really get Rusev. You know, I've, I understand that he's a big guy that's talented in the ring, but a lot of people are. But man, he has just been having so much fun. And he obviously really enjoys this bull crap they're giving him. Like he, he has to enjoy it. And if he doesn't, he sure is good at faking it because, oh my gosh, he is having tons of fun. And if this gets him over, fine. It's fine. And out of all the bullcrap they've done, all of it, and it's all been bad, this wasn't great, but it was better than anything else they've done. Yeah, and Rusev's always been super entertaining, and I've been waiting for him to have a good something good he could sink his teeth into. Uh, unfortunately, it was this story, but... Like, I agree. He, he looks like he's having fun. It's probably, you know, it, it's definitely different for him. So 
I'm sure he's enjoying it, but I was liking, like I said, originally the Russo character was just like a geek and then they finally turned him around and he started not caring. But when I was watching this, I was like, okay, they got married. You ruined the marriage. Like you got the last laugh. They came out here and got married anyway. Just walk away. I hated that Rusev has to like come back and still try to be in their business. What I wish would happen was Rusev would try to move on and then Bobby and Lana get married and then still try to, you know, ruin Rusev's life because he ruined their wedding, their dream wedding. That would make more sense if you want to continue the storyline. For Rusev to come back and, you know, still try to like get at Bobby Lashley, like he should just not even care anymore. You're like right. The fact that he still cares about it, that aggravates me. So yeah. Rusev is great. I agree, but I don't like the way they are doing his character. Okay. So we go, we come back from break. We see Charlotte Flair, excuse me, right before the break, we see Charlotte Flair. She's walking backstage. So apparently she has a match. We come back and Charlie is with R-Truth. She says that he is now the record holder for the number of title reigns in all of WWE. He's got like 30 or something. He passed Raven with his hardcore title. And randomly Liv Morgan appears and she says, oh, I guess Lana's going to be in Lashley's corner next week. But I guess Rusev is going to need someone in his corner. And you know what? And here it is, guys. She says, this is a moment I live for. And I look at my wife. I said, really? <laughs> Get it? Is, is this what we're doing? Wrestling, wrestling love, wrestlers love wordplay. But oh my gosh, that's one of the worst taglines I've ever heard in my entire life. And it just breaks my heart that Liv Morgan had, so we had such high hopes for her. Everyone fantasy booked her as Sister Abigail, but nothing. What we have is mid-card Liv Morgan with a terrible catchphrase. Well, to be fair... Uh... On Friday, Chad Gable did steal the best catchphrase, which is "rise above size." That's so, true. That's true, and they can't all be great. So, yeah, so, so Liz you, had to Chad find Gable. something. So, I understand. I get it. I did honestly. I didn't even know Liv Morgan's name, and I knew it was a bad catchphrase. I, <laughs> I didn't even realize that it was a, a play on words. I was like, "Man, that sounded awful." Yeah. But now that I know that her name is Liv, that makes it much worse. Yeah. Exactly. So. Charlotte Flair comes out and Sarah Logan, who has come back, like apparently she fell off the face of the earth. She came back for Survivor Series and, and disappeared again. But then she shows back up. And she apparently, like the announcers put over something she said on Twitter. And she said something like, she's just here to fight now. So Liv Morgan's former partner, versus Charlotte Flair. And uh, before the match even gets started, Sarah Logan just destroys Charlotte. And she decides, I guess that's enough. I'm just going to take care of her robe now and freaks out on Charlotte's robe and like throws it around the ring, stomps on it, blah, blah, blah. And then gets out of the ring, tries to attack Charlotte again and Charlotte beats the crap out of Sarah Logan. And that's pretty much it. They might've gone back and forth a little far, a little more. I don't really remember. I just remember thinking, are we going to take Sarah Logan seriously now? Cause Charlotte Flair is easily your second biggest star uh, in all of the WWE uh, or in all of, you know, women's wrestling in WWE. And I just, I don't know what they're doing because Sarah Logan is a nobody and I'm, I'm all for pushing Sarah Logan. I like Sarah Logan. Uh, I have high hopes for her, but boy, 
It's just like she's a complete jobber for, what, 18 months. She falls off the face of the earth and comes back, and now she's even with Charlotte Flair. I don't get it. Whatever. Um, we see Drew McIntyre walking backstage because that's what you do before a match. We come back. Drew McIntyre comes out. He destroys No Way Jose. He beats up some of the conga line. And uh, Drew McIntyre, who I'm all for a face turn here, asks the crowd, who wants to see one more Claymore? And the crowd goes, yeah, because screw No Way Jose. He's a dork. <laughs> and Dr- Drew McIntyre throws him in the ring. Claymores him and gets back up and says, didn't even drop my microphone. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's great. It's like, I don't understand No Way Jose here. Like Rusev beat him a couple weeks ago and then helps him back up because Rusev's a face. And he's like, yeah. And then Rusev's going out on the conga line. And then now Drew McIntyre is, you know, destroying him. I, I don't, I don't get it. it, yeah. it but I did uh, like Drew McIntyre here. Yeah. I'm all for a face turn for McIntyre, but I'm a little disappointed in this crowd because I mean, he asked the crowd if they wanted one more Claymore kick. On a face. And the obvious answer is, no way, Jose. <laughs> I mean, come on. You couldn't cheer that? Fans? Yeah. What's wrong with you? Hmm. Uh, you know what happened after the match? We, we saw we saw Aleister Black walking backstage. Do you know what that means? It means he's out of his room. He is out of his room, and it means he's got a match coming up because that's what you do on tonight's Raw if you decide if you're going to have a match next. I wonder if it'll be good as his match last week. Aleister Black versus Shelton Benjamin. Aleister Black beat Shelton Benjamin pretty handily. Match is pretty good. I mean, Shelton Benjamin obviously is very talented. Aleister Black's obviously very talented. Um, after Aleister Black beat Shelton Benjamin, Buddy Murphy comes in and murders this poor guy. He brings a steel chair from under the ring and he like puts his face onto the chair. And I don't really know. I don't really know how to explain it. Like he, he smashed Alistair Black's face into the chair basically and gets up and he's like sitting on the guardrail and like with his legs crossed like Alistair Black does. And like all the officials are coming out, checking on Alistair Black and they're calling down uh, uh, the medical professionals. And then we go to commercial. Seth Rollins and AOP come to the ring. Seth Rollins cuts a Monday Night Messiah promo. I know. Yeah. And so Kevin Owens comes out. Samoa Joe comes out. And everyone has fantasy booked who this third guy is. And I had no clue. And people were like, man, it should have been someone from NXT. Uh, Some people were even like, it's CM Punk, which is the dumbest thing in the world. Like, I... But it was the big show. You might say, well, it's the big show. Exactly. (laughs) I popped. My wife loved it because she loves the big show. So did the crowd. Yeah. Everybody loved it. They went crazy for this guy. And I want to be clear. This was great. And if you say it's not great, as I always say, it's okay to be wrong. Because look, guys, you're not going to have John Cena or CM Punk or The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin come back every time there's someone. Now, I understand getting frustrated when it's like Lacey Evans is a special guest referee. Okay, that's a little dumb. But the Big Show's been gone for two years. He's a legend. Be happy that he's back, all right? So Big Show, Big Show takes no bumps in this match, by the way. Yeah, I was going to say real quick, Matt. Like we said, or like I said, SmackDown had how many returns? Three? 
Yeah. Raw has one big return. Yep. Not counting Brock Lesnar because it's not really. Right. They have one big return. And it's like the greatest thing to happen all week on both these shows. Yeah. <laughs> and in contrast, we have SmackDown. I mean, the Usos made a run in. They got a pretty big pop and they did something of note. But we had Sheamus come back and just kick Shorty G. Yeah. And then we had Morrison who was also, I mean, he's gonna be gone longer than two years, been gone a long time, but is pretty much still kind of beloved. And he gets a, a door, yeah. <laughs> answers a door. He's a doorman, basically. And uh, yeah, missed opportunity, I think is the theme here. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. So this match was fine. Um, some a, a big show took no bumps. He basically took no offense from anyone until the very end when he just fell onto his knees. Um, of course, this match does not have a clean finish because it's the WWE and it's the main event. So they win by disqualification because AOP just like gets in the ring and just starts beating up the big show, which is illegal because they're not legal, and we get a disqualification. I'm like, is this is this really the best that we can do with this? Like, ah. after the bell, there's a couple things that happen. Big Show teases a bunch of choke slams. Um, eventually, he just punches Rollins in the face. AOP gets him out of there. Rollins looks dead. He looks dead. Um, if he's the Messiah, think of you know when Jesus got down on the cross and they were uh, you know carrying his body off. That's what Seth Rollins looked like because the dude was totally limp. And, and he does have long hair and a beard. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, and, a, and an awkwardly long neck, by the way, if you've never noticed that. <laughs> and so Big Show's music plays. Hey, Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens, they're all in the ring. And we close the show. And I've complained a lot about this episode, but I enjoyed it. I really did. There was a lot of things that were dumb. The Eric Rowan thing is dumb. Andrade Mysterio should have been just a, a knockdown, drag out, amazing match and it had some dumb things in it. But the big show came back. Alistair Black, Buddy Murphy, always going to make me pop. They were, you know, they're always incredible. Drew McIntyre was very, very entertaining. Um, I just, I enjoyed this Raw. I really did. And I would be okay with getting a B-plus show, which is the grade I'm getting it every week. Because Raw has been C shows, C-minus shows. just similar to SmackDown. And if I can get a B-plus show out of Raw every week, I would be a very, very happy camper, let me tell you. So, so there is... Again, I'm going to contrast. We had SmackDown, which was okay, but nothing really happened. And it was a very boring show. Yeah. Whereas on Raw, a lot of weird stuff happened. A lot of goofy stuff happened. But stuff happened. Yeah. So, I mean, I I probably didn't enjoy as much as you did, but it wasn't as boring. Right. (laughs) Right. Like and it was a it was an extra hour long, like I SmackDown felt like it was the three hour show. Over yeah, the two. it did. So, I mean, I probably wouldn't give it a B plus, but I mean, I totally agree that it, it was something. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, if SmackDown, it's, SmackDown should learn from this in a sense that do stuff like yeah, they did stuff a couple weeks ago when I mean they've done some stuff with Bray Wyatt and the Fiend, but I mean it's really just the same old stuff that they've been doing with the fiend 
and he's pretty much boring now. And I mean, they, they kind of did something with Roman Reigns and the dog food of note, but that's pretty much it. They haven't done yeah. anything like there's no Lesnar, which I'm not saying that's like, you know, anything of note, but I mean, they don't have him. And then, like I said, they had three returns. Like what was the biggest news I heard on raw? Who's trending on Twitter? The big show. That's correct. The big show. Now I like the big show, but he's the big show. <laughs> he was trending on Twitter Monday when SmackDown had three debuts on Fox. Nobody cared. I, I mean, like, the Uso's kind of like the, Whichever show yeah. they try to make the bigger show, which right now is SmackDown, they can never be good. The The second biggest show is always better. SmackDown was better for years. Yep. So, yeah. It's like a boring, raw, weird, but kind of fun at the same time. Yeah. And this is the part of the show where we usually say, man, this is this is where we get the real wrestling. This is AEW Dynamite. But I have a feeling, because we've already talked, plus I watched it, that it's not <laughs> going to be as positive as it usually is. So, Micah, take it away. Well... Let's let's just dive right into it. So we have the show opening up. Got a recap of the Elite big win last week in Jacksonville. Great show. I think I graded it an A show. We were there. Spoiler alert. This is not an A show. That's correct. <laughs> so to open up, we have a they're they're doing a, a, a Legends of Memphis thing with this anniversary show because they're in Memphis, uh, Mississippi. And uh, no, you're not. They're in South Haven, Mississippi. Well, They're not in Memphis, even though Chris Jericho's like, we're in Memphis, Tennessee, and the crowd booed him. It's like they, did, they booed Hulk Hogan, too. And I'm like, and I, I look at my wife, and maybe she looked at me. I don't want to, because if I get it wrong, then I know she'll be like, you need to stay at a retraction, and then she'll call in, and you guys will play it. Play the, You're going to owe another Cody Rose t-shirt. Exactly. But she, one of us said, did he really say he was in Memphis? Because that they're was, not. That was, that was totally intentional, right? No, of course it wasn't. But it was funny because, of course, he thought they were in Memphis because they were doing the Legends of Memphis kind of thing. So I kind of, I kind of get it. But like, dude, I understand you travel a lot. You gotta know what city you're in. Your phone tells you. Oh, I thought he was doing it generate heat, but I don't think so. Maybe I'm giving him more credit than he deserves. Look, yeah. somebody needs to get credit in this episode, and it, I guess it could be Jericho. But you've taken that away from me, so just drop the letter grade. <laughs> Anyways, we open up. We've got Dave Brown there on commentary. I'm, I'm pretty young. So who is this guy? Do either of you know? He's a legend of Memphis. Okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he was a commentary back in the day for. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So okay, but I've never yeah. heard him before. Okay, so it's not just because I'm young; it's because he's not important. No. Anyway, I've heard of him, but I've never actually heard him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I actually enjoyed him in this first match. He didn't pipe up a lot, but I, I thought he did. You know, he, he did good. Um, first match of the night. Good match of the night. Uh, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega versus Private Party. And I got to say, I'm really enjoying Kenny and Hangman as a tag team, even though yeah. they're not really a tag team. But, I mean, they've, they've had quite a few matches now. Um, I know, And, really, this is kind of just a means to an end for the Hangman story. Uh, but I really hope I get to see a few more matches out of him at least before whatever they end up doing with Hangman. Maybe he doesn't turn, but he's, he's going to turn. He's one hundred percent going to turn, no matter what Riley says. And can I say how great Hangman's little little blurbs are above his every name? Every time, every, every time. time, it's so like good. it said something like, "Probably not going to pay Private Party that twelve dollars back." Yeah, it, it was, was so good. 
It's it's it was great. Uh, <laughs> nothing nothing beats the was home last week drinking whiskey though. That was that was right. Uh, anyways, uh, private party also in this match, and honestly, I like private party. They're very talented, but I usually find them a little bit too much choreographed for me. Um, I feel right. like a lot of their spots are people waiting to get hit. But I did notice throughout this match, especially with like the quad suicide dive that uh, Mark Quinn did, yeah. it, it didn't seem as choreographed. Maybe that's because you're dealing with Kenny and Hangman, who are maybe more talented than some of the other guys they're facing. But yeah. even when they're facing the Bucks, it seems a little choreographed. Um, but it was really fast-paced, and it seemed like an actual decision that Mark Quinn was making like right there on the spot, not something they were setting up. So I got to say, I, I, I think they're going. I think they're getting better, a little bit more polished as a team. Really like this match. I thought it was a great match to open up our show. And it's – it's I don't want to say it's my favorite of the night because I really like some of the other tag matches we saw. But it was a very solid match. Um, through the match, it seemed kind of like Kenny and Hangman started to jive a little bit better. It started out um, – they were kind of not really, I guess, clicking, as you would say, as a team. Uh, they, they did a little fist bump at the beginning. But really, you could tell there was some tension – uh, you also had the spot where uh, Hangman almost hit Kenny again with the buckshot lariat, but this time he he stopped himself, uh, so he was able to to save Kenny's face and you know not lay him out and lose. Right. Again. <laughs> so uh, Kenny ends up doing a one wing and angel. Whenever I saw that, of course, if you see a one wing and angel, the match is over. So Kenny and Hangman came up with the win. Uh, not a real tag team, still came up over Private Party. So you say what you will about that. I liked it. I liked the match. I don't mind the booking. That's that. They're uh, both in the same faction, too, and, and they have a really strong connection. So I'm okay with them beating a tag team. They're, they're two huge stars as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't have an issue with it. Some people do. Uh, after the match, they redid the angle with Pack and Nakazawa. I, I guess. I think it was Nakazawa. One of the, the commentators. You didn't really see who it was. Yeah, it was. Um, the, the angle... We've seen previously, which kind of seemed like it dropped off the face of the earth, which actually it was fulfilled on Dark, but not everybody watches Dark. So for people that just watch the TV show, we're like, what happened with that? I guess they thought that they would bring it back up. I I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, some people seem to think uh, that there's like there was like a time continuum issue or something because like four weeks ago or something. Pack like went to go attack Nakazawa, but you didn't really see anything, and then nothing happened. And then this week, he's just all of a sudden attacking him with the brutalizer. So they're like, "Oh, well, this just picked up from four weeks ago." So, so what actually <laughs> happened is uh, Pack attacked Nakazawa, and then on Dark, which is the same night, but it comes out the Tuesday after. Right. He brought Nakazawa into the ring, uh, put a chair around his neck, and teased doing a black arrow onto the chair which would have been great, but he landed on his feet and didn't hit the chair and called out Kenny and said, if you don't give me my rubber match next time, I'm actually going to hit him or whatever, um, which is really cool, but it should have been on the episode, not on Dark, because yes. now people, the 900,000 people that watched the episode have no idea what's going on. Or exactly. it should have been recapped on the main show. So we yeah. know. Exactly. That's a common concern with AEW. We've, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but there doesn't seem like they're getting better yet. But anyways, uh, you see Kenny afterwards running to his Nakazawa's aid. Obviously, that's one of his best friends. And Hangman just kind of chills and drinks beer because that's what he does now. 
and I really like it, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's really subtle, long-term storytelling. Yep. I love what they're doing with Hangman. He's doing uh, cowboy-ish. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, he goes out in the crowd. I think, I, was it picture in picture when he goes out in the crowd and the guy's holding the sign and says, drink my beer, and he hands him a beer, and then Hangman drinks it. He drank like three or four beers. It was great. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Um. Anyways, so after this this great match, decent angle, we have the women's championship match, uh, which for some reason isn't main eventing. It's the second match of the show. So there are no belts being defended tonight. But the women's championship match, which is, you know, most wrestling companies consider just as important as the men's championships now, is just in the middle of the show. And so whatever, it's fine. Uh, so going into this match, I had two ideas for how it was going to go. I really, part of me thought that Chris would win clean and become champion. My other option was that the Nightmare Collective would interfere and then I saw Brandy on commentary. So horrible on commentary, by the way. That's so how that's going to go. Let me say this. Let me preface this before before we say anything else. My wife and I met Brandy Rhodes, and she's one of the kindest, sweetest people you'd ever meet. And I think that a lot of times I am kinder to AEW, one, because it's new and fresh and I really enjoy it. And two, because the people that are running it seem like legitimately nice people that you really want to get over instead of a millionaire who is, you know, old and senile and absolutely insane. But everything that you're about to say negative about her was probably right. So go ahead. So I've never met Brandy and I don't know how nice of a person she is. So I'm not going to hold back here. So (laughs) as you all know, I'm not a fan of her gimmick at all. Or this entire angle, the Nightmare Collective, this segment did not change my mind for the better. Throughout her commentary, she makes these awkward jabs at Excalibur uh, for some reason. And the only thing we had good from Brandy's commentary, I will say, is we finally had Excalibur explain on air why he wears the mask for the television audience. Which That was great, yeah. A good thing. We needed that like 13 weeks ago. So that was the, the one redeeming factor but for like the next 20 minutes uh i'm not i mean i could go on in her commentary i'm not going to you if you've watched you, you know it was so bad it was, like, they it was were so like bad. it was like so why forced. are you out here brandy you need to tell us and she's like because you invited me it's like why? i don't I just leave why now and i'm invited? like oh my gosh why was she invited makes no why sense is she there it isn't none of it made any sense she's bad she can't talk there's no reason for her to be there She's so forced in her heelishness. Yeah, I, mean, I don't I think like- she can play a heel. She did great in all the like Cody promos where she's like talking about him and like as a faith, she did a good if, job. But if I, I don't you ever know. watch BTE, even she doesn't have like a character on BTE when she's a little bit of Brandy Rhodes and a character, she's good. Yeah, but terrible. It's so bad. And one time at commentary, she was like, "Oh, do you want me to go?" And I was just waiting for the announcer to be like, uh, yeah. Yeah, Excalibur should have been like, well, if you want to. Yeah. Um, and she was nice to JR and Tony for some reason, even though she's a heel. Uh, whatever. So, moving on. I'm not even really going to go into the match, if you can call it that. This championship match, I should preface with, it, it wasn't a match. The bell rang. Some things happened. 
And guess what? There was interference. Here comes yeah. Kong and the bald lady, who apparently her name is Melanie Cruz or Melody Cruz or something like they that. Just call her Mel. Yeah, no, nobody ever would have guessed that there would be interference in this match, right? With Brandy on commentary. Yeah, yes. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it so much. Basically, so they come out, Kong and, and Mel, they come out, they stand in ringside. And then in the middle of her championship match, Chris Statlander says, hey, I'm going to do a suicide dive outside of these random people. Yep. Because that's what you do on your title shot. You don't focus on the champion. You just dive outside the ring. So she does a suicide dive on Mel. She lands it. She tries to hit one on Kong, but instead Kong being Kong catches her in midair. And then as she does this, we see the bald mental patient from the previous vignette emerging out from under the ring. Is it Gangrel? No. No, it's not. Apparently his name is Luther. He's some Japanese... Japanese hardcore legend Luther who has like 900 followers on Instagram. I don't know who this guy is. I've never heard of him before. <laughs> and he's like... he's Dude's got to be 50. I mean, it's not like they're getting some young, good, new talent in. It's just some old, bald dude. It's, they, they need things to help this angle, and I don't think this is it. But anyways, maybe he can face Joey Janelle on a dark episode or something. <laughs> So, yeah, dude's name's Luther. <sighs> Riho, uh, at this point, is on the top turnbuckle, I think. And she hits Luther and I think Kong as well with a crossbody. And then they just go back into the ring like nothing happened to continue their match because the bell wasn't rang because AEW doesn't do disqualifications, I guess. Yeah. What in the world's uh, going on? What What is happening What's happening here? It's, I don't, I don't know. Uh, so people have so many problems with AEW not having rules. I've complained about it before. We've all complained about it before, but good Lord. Come on. There's literally interference for three other people. Somebody emerged from under the ring to attack one of the people in the championship match. And uh, it's, okay, just, just, just keep going. It's, it's, it's fine. So, Chris Statlander, she gets in control. She gets in a position to do her finisher to win the championship. And then Kong trips her. And apparently that trip was super effective because yep. Riho then applies her finisher and rolls Chris Statlander up and gets the win. Yep. And Riho <laughs> didn't look happy about it. She's like, well, I guess I'll take this win. This is getting this over with. And the fans aren't really happy about it either. No. I I don't know. So Riho, who the fans loved, <laughs> who was actually getting over, the fans did not like this. No, nobody. Why would you like this? Why yeah, did they think yeah. anybody it would like really this? bad? After the match, Kong jumps in. She starts attacking Statlander. And then 99 pound Riho tries to stop Kong. It doesn't work. Uh, she obviously got laid out. And then you see Sheeta. And, uh, well, she didn't, and I should say she and Britt were seen in the audience earlier watching because they do that a lot in the championship matches, which yeah, I like. I, Britt's like making a heel turn, I guess. Cause she's like, she was disinterested in this entire match. Yeah. So Sheeta Sheeta jumps the rail. Britt stays in her seat. Um, which I honestly, the, another thing I, I like Britt turning heel. I think that's what she needs. Yeah. And I'm not going to give it points for this. 
because that kind of started last week. But uh, I do like how they kind of reaffirm that she is turning at least a little bit heel. Um, then you saw Big Swole and Sunny Kiss run in uh, to try to save the situation, and that caused the Nightmare Collective to run off. So here's a question for you. Do you remember when AEW said they would be the more sports-oriented wrestling company? I do. <sighs> they are, though. Like, you can't you can't bury the whole company because of this terrible... I don't want to say terrible. This less-than-great show. You, uh, it, it was terrible. You can say terrible. It's okay. Brandy's not listening. <laughs> you don't know. Maybe she is. But I, I didn't think it was terrible. But, yeah, we'll talk more about it after it's over. So, what... This was such a Vince Russo overbooked TNA bullcrap of a segment. Last week, we had the best women's match in AEW history, in my opinion. That's correct. Yep. And it really seemed as if they were turning the division around for the year. And this week, we got this steaming pile of dog poop in the middle of the ring. Can you imagine <laughs> if this was an AEW World Heavyweight Championship match between Jericho and Moxley and this bullcrap happened? Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. It's so bad. I, Actually, I think the only thing that could have made it worse was a steaming crap of dog poop in the middle of the ring. <laughs> you know, I might have given it points for that. It would have, <laughs> you know, it would have been something different. So I'm just going to move on. I hated it. I can't reiterate anymore how much I hated it. <laughs> and so now we're on to another bad match. Yes, you heard me. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it and say Sammy Guevara versus CD was a bad match. I thought this had a lot of potential to be a really good match, have a lot of good storytelling. Sammy Guevara, obviously, incredible performer. Christopher Daniels, obviously, still got a lot of juice left in him. Great. All, one of the all-time greats. But He's he's not freshly squeezed, though. He's not. He's, 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 he's a little worse for the wear. But, I mean, guys, he's older than Chris Jericho. and Everybody gives Chris Jericho crap. So keep that in mind. Uh, one of the main issues with this match was that it didn't get a lot of time for one. But so in the match, you see uh, Daniels, he hits an STO on Sammy G and he teases doing his botched move that he did against uh, Pentagon Jr. a little while ago, the BME. Uh, he teased it actually on this last dark episode, but then decided not to do it. He was a little afraid. But as he does this, Pentagon comes out in the ring, or not in the ring, but down the ramp with a microphone in the middle of the match, daring Christopher Daniels to show him, show him he can hit the move. And like a doofus, Christopher Daniels turns his back on Sammy G and is staring down Pentagon, gets kicked in the back of the head, and gets pinned for the three. It's bad. It's bad the match, match wasn't bad, but the finish was bad. It's a bad match. I don't care. <laughs> Bad match. I didn't like it. I think they also pointed out as well that uh, Christopher Daniels has been wrestling as longer than Sammy Zane or Sammy Guevara has been alive. alive, Yeah, and Sammy Zane as well, most likely. Um, Yeah. After the match, I actually didn't hate the after match angle as much as a lot of people did. Maybe it's just because I was so desensitized by the Nightmare Collective angle. But after the match, the Dark Order's video hits. You see Evil Uno and Dark Order come out with Brandon Cutler. I will predict. Uh, which isn't actually proven, but that's my prediction. They came out of the ring after the match to try and recruit Christopher Daniels. He turned him down. Then they attack him. 
and uh, SCU and the Young Bucks come in to make the save. They clear out the ring kind of opposite of what we saw uh, two weeks ago. It was okay. It this was better than the main event interruption that they had, I think. Yeah. And uh, probably how they should have reintroduced them. Yeah. Uh, I, because they, I think putting them, thrusting them into the main event, uh, even though they had good vignettes, like mm-hmm. thrusting them in the main event and have them beat up like every star on the roster, like handily. I don't think that went over very well. I would have much rather seen them come back and just, it, it makes sense at least. They, you know, Evil Uno, Grace and their tag team. So going up against SCU would be a good, you know, first feud. Yeah. So I would have rather seen this be their re-debut. Uh, but yeah. yeah it, I didn't have a problem with it. And I yeah, also think that it's better fun. that the Bucks and SCU, the tag team champions, went over the geeks of the Dark Order. It um, did there kind of... There as many of them this time. So Yeah, it did kind of spoil that Christopher Daniels, unless there's this huge, like, weird WWE-type swerve, yeah. Christopher Daniels definitely not the exalted one. Yeah, right. here's to hoping for Matt Hardy. Yeah. Curry Man, though, is still, you know, a possibility. <laughs> it could be Vince McMahon. It, it could be. You never know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, so back to my prediction that uh, Brandon Cutler is the other member of the Dark Order, the tall, lanky guy you see coming with them. Uh, they've been cutting promos on BTE, and uh, they actually uh, – actually a couple BTEs now. And they also sent out an email, which I know Matthew got, uh, to all the Dark Order recruits signed up on the website. And in that, you see somebody – I didn't get an email. I well, signed up for the Dark Order. Hashtag join Dark, Dark Order. Hmm. I guess I'm not a loser. Maybe, Whoa. Maybe not. Whoa. I maybe walked into that one, man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, so you see a guy in the bathroom. This was after the main event uh, fight. He's in a bathroom. He's, he's, you don't see his face, but he's obviously like pushing water in his face, trying to calm himself down. And he throws the Dark Order mask into the trash. Then on the Dark Order email that they sent out, they point out that the bad punching on on uh, Dustin Rhodes, you know, yep. the, the very bad punch. Everybody was calling it out, right? Yep. I don't know if this was planned or if they just swerved. I'm pretty sure they just swerved it into a decent yeah, angle. It definitely wasn't planned. No way. It so was <laughs> they they've swerved into this angle now that there's someone in the dark order that's holding back on on what they're supposed to be doing. So you see someone who in the previous, which does predate this uh, promo, I guess, to now. My my prediction is that's Brandon Cutler, and he's the tall, lanky guy you see in the full long sleeve, long pants. You don't see anything but his hands. Either that, or they just needed an extra, and Brandon Cutler was back there. I'm hoping but, that's uh, not there. Brandon Cutler is the uh, D and D geek, right? Yes, he is the D and D geek. So, whoa, is it hey, possible? Whoa. Yeah, yeah. What What are you going to say, Matt? Nothing. You got the email, my friend. Mm. So, <laughs> back to what I was saying, Brandon Cutler. Is it possible? And I don't, I, I don't know of these uh, geek things, but is it possible that maybe he is a mage, and that his punches were psychic punches that were hitting Dustin Rose in the face? Hmm. It's very it's it that's entirely possible. 
Yeah. I mean, Dustin was selling them, so. Yeah. Maybe he's got powers that even the exalted one doesn't know. <laughs> so anyways, let's move on. We're running really long. <laughs> so we've got to go to uh, next up. We have a match that's actually good. Cody and Dustin Rhodes versus the Lucha Brothers. Uh, this was a great match, as you would expect. Cody and Pentagon started it off. Penta did his trademark taunts. Cody hit a drop-down right hand on him. Uh, Dustin and Phoenix got tags, did a couple of spots. Uh, Dustin blocked a pop-up cutter. Uh, all four got in the match, faced off. Uh, the, Dustin tried to get a suicide dive in. He got cut off. Uh during the break, Phoenix is really just working over Dustin on his left knee. Uh, basically, you know, telling a story of, of disabling his, his left leg, which is good wrestling, in my opinion. That's the way I like to, to see things. Uh, so after that, you have Pence attacking in, and he's still going at the left, left knee. Phoenix is out of the uh, off the apron. He's grabbing a chair and jumping up. I don't know what he's planning on doing, whether the ref's looking right at him. Uh, anyways, Arn Anderson actually did a really cool coach thing where he kicked the chair away. Yeah, it was nice. And because of that, Dustin was actually able to hit a spine buster, which I also thought was really cool. And that helped him come back and get the hot tag to Cody. Really, really liked this match. Uh, a lot, a lot of stuff happened in this match. I'm not going to go through all of it. Basically the match ended with Dustin hitting his final reckoning on Phoenix. One, two, three, he got the pin did not expect Cody and Dustin to go over the Lucha Brothers, but I I don't hate it. Yeah. I'm glad I like both teams. Cody wins. I like Dustin. I like the Lucha Brothers now. Didn't always, but I do now. And Arn Anderson has a purpose, which is great. Yeah, yeah. I like I like the coach stuff that he's doing. I like I guess I don't know. You don't see a whole lot of babyface uh, managers. Like, he's not really. You really don't see him at all nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, and I I really like how. You know, they're kind of cutting out some BS with him there, which I think is great. Uh, and, man, it's amazing how good Dustin. They could have used Arn Anderson more throughout the show. Yeah. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, that, that would he be could have uh, prevented some uh, of these finishes. Random crap, yep. Everybody needs Arn Anderson as their coach. <laughs> he is the enforcer, so. That's right. That's right. Um, after the match, Tony Schiavone went in the ring to interview Cody, and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, how is he going to get cut off? Because that's what happens when Tony interviews people. So he asked Cody what his response is to MJF's demands from last week. And uh, for some reason, Cody Rhodes, the guy that just cut an all-time great promo, couldn't talk for himself this week. And Arn Anderson answered for him. I didn't like that. I think Arn Anderson should stick to his coaching. And I don't want to see him become a Tully to Cody's Sean Spears. Yeah. Uh, and also, it was kind of basically a tune-in next week to find out kind of thing, just like we had Which last they week. just did last week with Moxley. And, and everybody hated it. I don't feel like they hated it as much this week, mainly because it wasn't something that was advertised as Cody's going to give his answer. But I don't know. I don't think a, an over-baby face like Cody Rose with fantastic mic skills needs somebody to talk for him. Um, I think Arn should really stick with the coaching, but he's Arn Anderson, so I'm not going to hate on him too much. After this, MGF comes to the ring with Wardlow. Uh, great promo, as always. He's so good every time he comes out. Uh, he always gets such a reaction. 
Uh, and if anyone in wrestling today can make you believe that wrestling is real, it's MJF. I mean, he gets such a reaction out of the audience. He got flipped off by one guy when he was asking him to kiss the ring, and that was just fantastic. I don't know if you guys saw it. It may have been during Picture in Picture. And then, uh, so he comes out <clears throat> after the break, calls Cody a coward, and he said he's going to give him until the count of 10 to come out. Then he counts down 10, 9, 8, down to 1, which is nitpicky. I just thought it was funny. Uh, after he did this, you hear, it's me, it's me, it's DDP. DDP comes out. I popped. Yeah, DDP's great. I love DDP. So he comes out. And he markets himself for about four minutes too long. Boy, does he ever. <laughs> he markets his, his yoga, his Twitter, his Instagram. Every, it, was, it was too long. Uh, if it Really, I would have enjoyed this segment if he would have cut that out. I mean, I understand. That's probably the, the agreement for having him wrestle next week is, hey, you get to market all your stuff in front of nearly a million people. So whatever. But he, he got into – once he got into it with MJF a little bit, it, it really turned around. It turned into a really good promo. Uh, he got some really good jabs on him. Uh, but I, really, my favorite part of this promo was MJF sitting on the turnbuckle, actively tweeting. Like, he actually tweeted during this segment. And he said, and I quote, will this old fart ever shut up? It was so great. Like, when he was playing on his phone, I'm like, this is so perfect. I love He's, it. And I, I didn't realize until this morning that he actually put a tweet out, and it was terrific. It was, it was great. MJF is the best. I love MJF. I haven't even seen him wrestle that much, but I don't. I don't need to. He's fantastic. He can just mm-hmm. come out and do this every week, and he'd be one of the greatest of all time. And he's like, he's. I think he's younger than I am. So, anyways, DDP basically said he's coming back for one more match. That just made me feel really old, by the way. Yeah. Now he is. He is seven months older than Micah, so still a baby. So just just a little bit older than I am. So he's basically trying to call out MJF. For a match is what it appears like. And MJF was having none of that because he looks like a midget next to DDP. He may be <laughs> 40 years his senior, his his junior, but I don't think he wanted any of that. But he said if he wants to wrestle, he knew just the people for it. Yeah. And he calls out a tag team that I had forgot existed, the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny. He takes some jabs at uh, DDP, says the average age of DDP's fans – is dead. (laughs) He said he's going to send him straight to hospice and then take one of his daughters and make her feel the bang. That that was great. It really was great. Gosh, it's so good. Uh, DDP started to go after uh, MJF, and then, of course, the Butcher and the Blade jumped in. Uh, DDP hit both of them with an old man diamond cutter. Which kind of buried them a little bit in my mind, but it is DDP. But yeah, they weren't great diamond cutters. He's old. Then uh, MJF comes from behind, hits him with a low blow, starts uh, taunting Cody, saying he just laid out his mentor. And then for some reason, instead of Cody coming out, you get QT Marshall. Yeah, whatever. And and then shortly after him, Dustin Rhodes. But what really bothered me was you see QT Marshall in the slide in the ring, and then Wardlow runs away. Why does Wardlow run away at the side of QT Marshall, you might ask? I don't know. 
I mean, Dustin's coming down the ramp, but as far as in the camera view, I, I didn't see any of that. By the time Dustin's in the ring, Wardlow's already gone. And it was literally, what was it, 5v3? And one of them is an old man. So yeah. It, they just got kicked in the balls. Yeah, I don't. I don't love that. Also, Whatever. they mentioned like when MGS counting down for Cody, they're like Cody might not even be here, and I'm like, it was just here ten minutes ago. And then yeah, so I, I like think that. it was I think it was Excalibur, and he was like, actually, I think he's you know maybe in the trainer's room getting you know checked out. I'm like, oh my gosh, like you got to you got to separate these things. Yeah. You know, either have MJF start and go, Cody isn't here yet, or have MGF toward the end of the show and be like, Cody already he's already gone. Like we all know that's not true because he's an MVP and he's running the show, but you got to do something. Yeah, putting these back to back was a bad choice. Yeah, I didn't didn't love it. So it, it, MJF's parts are great. I didn't love the overarching story of that segment. But anyways, uh, we go on to our main event of the evening, featuring my two favorite tag teams, Jurassic Express and the Best Friends. And I will say, it irks me a little bit when they announce them as the best friends and Arch Cassidy. Yeah, me too. Making it seem like he's not one of their best friends. Come and on. I really think that's putting a division in the tag team. Poor Freshly Squeezed. Obviously, Freshly Squeezed is the integral part that holds the group together. So they are just the best friends in my mind. Moving on. So we have Jungle Boy and Chucky e. T starting out in the match. Uh, Jungle Boy, great as always. Uh he hit a springboard arm drag, then Trent and Marco Stunt get tagged in. This is kind of a hometown match for Stunt. He got a huge pop, which I'm glad to see because he's had some he's had some issues in AEW. He's, he's went over um, with not being accepted and everything because of his size. But really, the dude's good. I mean, he's just 4'11". Four, four so, you know. Tiny man. He, he can't help it, but he's fun to watch. So he's over there. He's psyching himself up like a little miniature gorilla. And uh, he goes up against Trent, and it was not very effective. Uh, he tried a cradle. Trent kicked out, manhandled him, and then Stunt ran to Jungle Boy for the tag. Uh, him and Jungle Boy hit a ripcord elbow leg drop combo for a near fall on Trent. And we have an ad break. After the ad break, uh, Chucky T gets a falcon arrow on Jungle Boy for a two count. Jungle Boy hits a clothesline, ends up tagging in the beast, Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus comes in. He just runs wild with his tail whips, his kicks, and just he just lays them all out, basically, as Luchasaurus should because he's a freaking dinosaur. But then you get the hottest tag of the century. Orange Cassidy gets tagged in and with equal strength kicks against Luchasaurus. But, you know, being a dinosaur, I guess his thick skin was able to uh, repel the killer kicks of Orange Cassidy. So it goes for a choke slam on Orange Cassidy, but Cassidy effortlessly, effortlessly, I should say, turns it into a stunner. Basically, the match broke down from there. Uh, Trent hit a spear on Jungle Boy. Cassidy hit a top rope elbow, I think. Uh, he stuck. no, he basically he he was on top rope. But he just kind of like fell over onto him. Yeah, it was yeah, the yeah. laziest He's, splash I've ever nice. seen. He teased a 450 splash, and he did the little thing with his hands, and then he just fell down, which is one of his his finishers, actually. I, I believe it is. It's great. And it's, 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 it's great. I love Orange Cassidy. Um, 
the so from there you have uh, Marco Stun. He hit a double stomp and a DDT on Trent. Which when he does a DDT to me, it looks great. I mean, yeah. If if there's anything that Marco Stunt can do really well as a small guy, it's a DDT on a big guy. I mean, look at Rey Mysterio. That's that's kind of a lot of his repertoire. Right. Um, but then he hit Trent with a Canadian Destroyer, which is ridiculous, but I also love it. So <laughs> after that, we see Luchasaurus pick up Stunt and then throw him on to Cassidy and Trent for like it, – it, I don't even know what you'd call that, but it was great. I loved it. Uh, you have Chucky e. T going for a power bomb, but uh, Jungle Boy actually turned it into a victory roll for the pin, and that got his first AEW win. That's great. So I'm very this, very excited. This was a really fun match. It was everything I hoped it would be. It's still a bit odd for the main event. I mean, it was definitely indie-rific. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I a lot of people hate it. I like this kind of wrestling. It makes me laugh. I, I would yeah, rather. I don't know if it's main event worthy, unless it's like for titles. Yeah, my problem, but, my only problem with this match is that it was the main event, which really wasn't the main event. The main event was the final angle, but yeah. I would have put Cody and Dustin versus um, Lucha Brothers here, and put MGF maybe in like the second angle of the night or something like that. Maybe open up with a match, then have MGF come out. Yeah, if they actually took the women's championship match seriously, it should have been the main event, but they didn't. So, <laughs> did you want this? To, did, would you want that to be the main event in hindsight? No. I, I don't want that to be on the TV show at all. <laughs> well, so, they they probably yeah. I would want. I wanted to be a good match. I wanted Chris Statlander to win. I wanted it to be the main event, but I'm not booking it. So whatever. Uh, so now we're moving on to the real main event of the evening, uh, which we finally get to hear the answer that was promised last week. Will John Moxley join the inner circle? So we have Jericho and company coming down in the ring before a short commercial break where Sammy G does his now traditional note card stick, which is great. It's a fantastic it is great. Handle. If you're going to handle picture in picture, this is the way to do it. But really the only thing important to note about that segment was that Sammy G has a thing for Salma Hayek. And who can <laughs> it was 50-something. Come on, Sammy. You're over twice your age. I don't, you know, whatever. Have you seen Salma Hayek recently? She looks great. She does. <laughs> Recently, ever. Yeah. yeah. For real. She basically looks exactly the same as she has always looked. It's amazing what money can do. <laughs> <laughs> so after the break, uh, Moxley's music hit. He comes out through the crowd. And as he's coming down, he's just hit with a string of compliments from Le Champion, Christopher Jericho. Jericho tries to draw some heat from the crowd by saying some negative things about Elvis. And I still think he was trying to draw heat by saying that they were in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. But other people disagree. Uh, anyways, so it, it, I mean, he knows what he's doing to draw heat. I think that's, I thought that's what he's doing, but differing of opinions. It's all right if you're wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's my gimmick. Exactly. So now we have, uh, we have Moxley and the inner circle in the ring. Jericho says the GT is gassed up. It's ready to go. They're just needing one thing, and that's for Moxley to accept. Moxley comes in. He says, no one knows his motivations, not even Chris Jericho. He can't be bought. He didn't come for money. And at this point, he's really, he's pretty much in Jericho's face. And Jericho's kind of, kind of backing down a little bit. And he says, he came here to dominate. And that's why his answer is yes. And I was very confused because that is not where I thought this was going. No, not at all. 
And I'm pretty shocked at this point. But we'll keep going through here before I, before I say anything else. So he's, he's standing there. He unzips his jacket to reveal his Moxley slash inner circle shirt. He said, what better way to dominate than to join the most dominant force in AEW, the inner circle? To be the best, you have to learn from the best. And from in his opinion, Jericho is the best. And that they're going to dominate AEW for years to come. So Moxley said... All that's left is to open a little bit of the bubbly, which was great. Jericho called for some music, and at this point, it starts to feel a little bit drawn out. I will admit, I thought they allotted a little bit too much promo time yeah. to this segment, but, you know, it's it's a, it's a long WWE-esque segment, in my opinion. Uh, but throughout the whole segment, I'm thinking, I was like, man, Moxley is really acting out of character throughout all of this you know i get taking the car i would do it i get joining the inner circle for your own benefit but he's just not acting like john moxley to me yeah i agree with that it was a little weird it, i was like man i hope they're not just like changing his character just like i, I don't really I, I i was ready to bury the segment i was like i don't i don't really like this but then moxley said he forgot to ter- tell jericho no, no no i'm sorry let me back up Moxley said that Jericho forgot something. The keys to the Ford GT. Yeah. Jericho turns over the keys, which apparently this GT has depreciated in value since the last show. Because now <laughs> he says it's 750000 Uh It's still not accurate, but he said it was a million last week. So he says that the 750000 is more than everyone in the stadium makes in a year combined to draw a little bit more heat. And the uh, the crowd's basically chanting that Moxley sold out. Moxley says that he bought in 2015 a Dodge Ram with cash money, and he'd planned to drive that thing until the wheels fell off, but now he's going to be riding in style thanks to the inner circle. But at this point, Moxley said he forgot one last thing. And Jericho's like, oh, yeah, buddy. What, what's, what's, what you need? What, what you forget? He told Jericho that he was kidding. He'd never join him. The Inner Circle is a stupid group with stupid creative, and he has nothing that he wants except for the AEW title. And I loved this. It was great. His delivery, too. He's like, I got one more thing to tell you, Chris. I'm just kidding. And then he's like, and And, then he goes off and tell him how dumb it is. And I'm like, this is so And then he moves back into character. It was so great. I mean, it's good acting. And he did so well, too, because he was insulting the fans. He was turning full heel. These pea brains could never know what we, I'm like, this is wonderful. It was so, it was such a good thing because I'm like looking at the clock and I'm like, is there enough time in the show? Because they yeah. didn't have overruns. Like, is there enough time in the show for him to be like, actually, this is just a swerve. So it was like 9.58 and I'm like, he's got to do it now. <laughs> Honestly, what I was expecting was a freaking run in again by the elite or some bull crap. But that's just because I was jaded from the earlier angles of the show. Yeah. And they brought me back into the love of AEW with this segment. Really enjoyed it. Uh, Moxley ends up breaking one of the bottles of the bubbly over Jericho's head, hits him with a paradigm shift, hits Guevara with a paradigm shift as well. Uh, then Hager jumps in, and Moxley went to grab another champagne bottle, but the prop glass broke, so he couldn't do that. And <laughs> with quick with quick thinking, he just slithered out of the ring into the crowd, uh. which 
was great. I don't I don't know if you noticed that, but yeah, I was watching. He went to grab the bottle, and the bottle like shattered. I did not notice that. I'm yeah, like, I didn't mostly run away. It doesn't seem to fit his character, but yeah, he was he was going to grab another bottle because I don't think Jake Hager. I don't think he's allowed to take bumps while he's training for Bellator. Well, he was going to hit him over the head with the bottle. Yeah, I guarantee, or at least try to. Um, yeah, I, I will. Like it's in part in parts. This segment felt kind of drawn out. It felt kind of stale, and especially since I don't watch with commercials. But man, I loved it. It it really got me. Wrestling doesn't really get me a whole lot anymore, but that swerve really because I I was totally I guess I was so jaded. Maybe this is long term booking. They they thought, man, we'll make some really bad angles early in the show, and we'll make you think this is a bad angle. But no, John Moxley still John Moxley. He stole the Ford GT, and he's gonna come back and he's gonna whoop the inner circle. So I'm really looking great. forward to that. It's gonna be great, and. You know, going into to to rating the episode, there were a lot of things that I hated, as you can tell. Yeah. The lowest I think I've ever given AEW was a B plus. So this match did not or this that I would say this episode did not have a single enjoyable singles match for me. It did have three very enjoyable tag matches. And that really goes to show the emphasis AEW is putting on their tag matches. But I remember thinking back when AEW started that, man, it's just it's just match after match after match. And they were all great matches. And there were just no angles at all. I wish they would add some more storytelling. This isn't what I meant. I, I didn't want this. Right. I'd rather you go back to just wrestling. Um, but I hope I, – I, I really – I think this episode is just a fluke. I think it was just because it was Nightmare Collective heavy and it's awful – but this is the first time that I've been watching AEW and I was waiting for the episode to end. Normally on AEW, I'm like, man, the time's flying by. I'm so disappointed the episode is over. I need more. I can't wait until dark to watch that. I can't wait till BTE. But I was glad this episode was over. So I'm going to give this episode a C minus. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Worse than SmackDown. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm grading it on a curve. <laughs> yeah. So if if this was a SmackDown, it might get an A plus. So <laughs> I didn't hate it as much as you did. I probably would have given this something like a B minus or something. I don't want to think more about it, but like I I I still Randy's enjoyed. not listening. It's okay. Yeah, I, I still enjoyed this show. I did, but at the same time, some of it was just kind of dumb. So if this was AEW every week, I would start to get, I would get disappointed. And I would start to get jaded because if you guys remember our first couple episodes at the beginning of the year, uh, when we first started recording, I was like, you know, you, sometimes you have bad episodes. And then Usi Hot happened, and I just lost it. And I've hated the WWE ever since. So I'm I'm okay with them having what I think is a, a middling okay show because there's good wrestling on it. I'm okay with it, but you can't do this every week because, in my opinion, there's no debate. This is the worst dynamite of the of since they've started so uh, they have time. To, they, they will get better i believe it i believe next week's going to be very good um but I, I i was i still enjoyed the show but it just it wasn't up to to the standards that aew has been giving us and i will say my least favorite show before this one was the thanksgiving show yeah which had the long drawn out opening sequence which really 
killed a lot of the momentum for the show for me. Yeah. And that would have been like a B minus show for me. Yeah. So this is much worse than my least favorite previously. And I'm not I'm not gonna say it was an average okay show. This was a bad show. It it wasn't good. Interesting. If they did this every week, I wouldn't watch it anymore. And I know they're not going to do this every week. I'm pretty sure it's just a fluke. I love AEW. It's my favorite wrestling uh, brand, obviously. I don't even watch every Raw and SmackDown. But it wasn't good. I didn't like it. Uh, I was I was pretty disappointed. And uh, I'm ready for an A-plus episode next week to turn it around for me. All right. Next week's Bash at the Beach. We'll cross our fingers and say a prayer. Ladies and really gentlemen, have a pool around the map. Super, super long. <laughs> Super, super long. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, listening to us. Um, if you have anything you'd like to add, if you think we're crazy, if you'd love this episode of Dynamite, <clears throat> make, oh, excuse me. Sorry, do you have something to say? I have something to add. Okay, go ahead. My segment, oh. really quickly. Oh, the, the, yeah. The, uh, the you're totally going to skip oh, out of it. It's been like two weeks, man. I'm sorry. I'm out of it. I'm out of it. Brass Ring and Future Endeavored. Mr. Kyle Pauly. Let's hear it. I will make this quick. All right. And and I'm expanding it since we, you know, we're out two weeks. Okay. I'm going to go ahead. Brass Ring. I have to go back. So, especially since there wasn't like anything like completely amazing on these three episodes, in my opinion. But I got to go back. It totally deserves to, you know, cheat the rules a little bit. Buddy Murphy, Alistair Black. If you missed it for whatever reason, two weeks ago on Raw, or was it a week ago? I think it was a week ago. Yeah. Uh, go watch it. It's amazing. I love Aleister Black. I really like Buddy Murphy. Uh, they tore the house down on Raw. They had the crowd standing on their feet, which you don't see much on Raw nowadays, as you can tell from the Eric Rowan segment from this past week. Great match. These two worked their tails off, and it was amazing. I wish they would have done this on a pay-per-view. Uh, but hey, I'll take it on Monday Night Raw as well. And for my future endeavor, you know, there's a, there's a lot to choose from. It could have been, you know, the women's division of AEW, especially for this week. It could have been, you know, uh, the Miz on SmackDown for being a dork. Huge dork. Uh, it, I mean, it, it could be a number of things. But I got to say, I got to give it to Mr. Phil Brooks, if you haven't heard, oh, tweet. yeah, it was bad. This man. So, very briefly, the Miz was a guest on. Know. Phil Brooks is Mr. Chick Magnet Punk. Yes, uh, he. The Miz was on WWE backstage, which CM Punk has been on a couple times, and but he wasn't on there this week, and the Miz was on. And I think he made a joke or something about like this being the most viewed show or the greatest, you know, version of it. And Renee kind of joked and said, it's, you know, it's probably not going to be the greatest, you know, and Miz in probably in character and just in, in a joking manner, not even that big a deal said like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. What was CM Punk's line that he gave? Um, sorry that I didn't change the culture or something like that. Yeah. Basically taking a little, little jab at CM Punk, but all in good fun. In character, too. Yeah. So, not a big deal. Uh, you wouldn't think so based on what uh, Mr. CM Punk said. And it was a horrible tweet. I'm not going to repeat it. He's deleted it. Uh, 
even though I'm not a fan of Saudi Arabia, he dropped Saudi Arabia in this tweet. Um, but yeah, he basically called the Miz something. Not you know, so I won't say it. But that's not even the worst part of it. It might be the worst part of it. But he also one of his main you know things that he said when he first came you know was on WWE backstage was he ragged Seth Rollins and told him to get off Twitter. Stop posting on Twitter. And here we have Mr. CM Punk going off on The Miz, completely unwarranted, very thin-skinned of him, and looking like a complete geek, and then going and deleting this tweet. So, Mr. Phil Brooks, Mr. CM Punk, best of luck in your future endeavors. Yeah, it was... It was disappointingly bad. I'm a huge fan of CM Punk. And some people thought he might, possibly. I didn't really think so. But some people thought he he, he has betting odds for being one of the winners of the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Uh, I would go to, as far to say if, by the small chance, he was going to be the Royal Rumble. Probably not anymore. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Not good. <laughs> no. He's definitely not a WWE guy anymore. No, well, he never really was. So I, well, yeah, but I do. Any any hope people thought he was going to come back to the Royal Rumble? I, yeah, I don't yeah, think he was. He was a real company man, Matt, before this, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, back to my ending segment, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for hanging out with us. This has been probably our longest show ever. We appreciate you. We love you. If you disagree, if you agree, if you want to in- give some input, if you want to ask us a question, you can do that at anchor.fm forward slash radio forward slash message. We would love to hear from you. You can listen to us wherever you're, you you get your podcast, obviously where you're listening to us now, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, anywhere. You can follow us all on Facebook and Instagram at Wrestle Radio and on Twitter at Wrestle Matt. You can follow Kyle on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at WrestleLifeMatt. Once again, thank you so much. We know this episode was long. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We will see you on Tuesday for a little surprise. Have a see wonderful, wonderful day. Peace. Bad ideas from bad creative. <laughs>